Hey everyone, I want to give everyone a heads up. I want to give you all a heads up. I don't know who I'm talking to. I want to give you all a heads up. Doug discovered that he could not search on his computer and record at the same time without a pretty persistent audio popping appearing on the recording. Unfortunately, he discovered this after we were all done. And instead of deciding to re-record and try to recapture that lightning in a bottle, we're giving you the unexpurgated episode. So, at about three minutes in, some uh, audio pops will be following Doug's track like some sort of bete noir all throughout the episode. But you'll notice mine is just fine. Ah, victory sip. Anyway, stick through it, because uh, I feel like we had a pretty fun conversation. And Doug's going to do some troubleshooting, and next time, that shouldn't happen at all. Thank you, and enjoy episode 47, Lancelot. Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 47 of Death Readers, the podcast where... I read through the Harry Potter series for the first time with the help of Rob, who's read them many, many times and will help guide me through the process. I am an elderly man in my late Ooh. 70s, and I have yet to read these books I hear the youngsters gabbing about. Say, Mr. Doug, they, wait till you read book six. They're out in the streets with their stickball and their hoops, <laughs> and they won't, they won't get off my lawn or stop talking about this wizard boy. Harold Pottis. And so I finally decided to read them with uh, with Rob's help. Yep. Uh, and uh, if this is your first time listening, the way we do that is we go through the episode, or the chapters of, of the episode, uh, page by page. We take notes, talk about them together, and then uh, we wrap it up. We usually try to stick to about three chapters an episode. Uh, this one will be a two-chapter episode starting with chapter 35. So if you'd like to read along with us, we recommend starting at 35, uh, going to 36, and then that's what we're going to cover today. Yeah, um, that sounds about right. Got, did I miss anything? Do we have any housekeeping? Did you notice anything from last week? No, no, nothing from last week. Uh, still quarantined. Oh, yeah, we should talk about that, I guess. Um, yeah, Death Readers entering its second week of quarantine cast. Um, this is, I mean, I've been, this is my, like, I think this is the end of the second week of basically me being at work the whole week, I think. I don't know. I honestly at, lost at At track home, of time. you mean? Working from home? Yeah. yeah. Um, I've, com- I've completely lost track of time. I have no idea how long I've been here. Um, <laughs> you, don't, I, you don't just feel like we're all in our own personal spaceships? Traversing the universe, we can't go outside because it's a vacuum out there. I think the the point was I've lost track of time. Not we are in a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> that was the point you were making. Yes, <laughs> I tried to co-opt that to give everybody a bit of happy, happy. But you just wanted to take that away. Well, I just I wanted I had a point I was making, which is that I just I really oh, right. I don't know uh, how long uh, it's been. Yeah, I don't know how long it's been, and. It, it could, let me think, I'm trying to look up uh, something that might help. A calendar? Me how, no, 
because uh, I the calendars don't say you started quarantine on this day. Oh, uh, not helping at all. Um, I don't know. I have no idea how long this has been, but the point is, we've been stuck inside for quite a while, and no idea how long it's gonna last. But we're gonna keep trying to do this podcast um, for you. Yeah, because you're special. Uh, yeah, we have we have a couple of listeners, and we think that you know there's there's one thing I learned in, in quarantine. It's that having something to occupy your time is really helpful. So for the next fifteen minutes, you're gonna have plenty of several of a couple notes about a Harry Potter chapter to <laughs> to fill your time, and then forty minutes of pap, and then forty minutes of pap, and then also. Uh, Let's just be honest. I feel like, you know, like how if people were just up front with each other before they had intercourse about how awful it was going to be for the other person, <laughs> I think that <laughs> I think that there would be a lot fewer marriages and a lot fewer like divorces. True, true. I mean, the level of self-awareness of how bad you're going to be, though, I, I don't know if the human race is ready for that. Yeah, but you ever hear like those guys say stuff like, "Well, I've never heard any complaints." No, I've seen. I've never. I've only heard about people saying these things. I don't. Uh, I never frequented bars to listen to people pick up other people. So I. I really have no truck with that world. I, I've people talk. I mean, I see it in movies, obviously, in TV shows, and I was like, "Wow, high school was never like that." If I were say watching a high school, and everybody in the room would turn to me like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" It was just like that. I'd be like, "Huh." I mean, that extends to beyond high school bar situation, pick up the dating scene. No, I have no idea. Well, I, I have met people like that. And uh, in my experience, those people were probably not complained to about their performance or anything else. Because sure. their partners were either deeply inebriated or uh, afraid. So, or, or just aware it wouldn't have had any difference anyway, or would made any that's difference. That's true. Wouldn't have made a lick a difference. But um, I feel like that's what we should do with our podcast, being that we are extremely self-aware, uh, mm. is let everyone know that this is going to be unsatisfying. The best podcast ever. It's going to be something you regret in the morning. <laughs> Especially um, if you're falling asleep to this. If if you could... You don't want us creeping uh, around your subconscious. If you start li- uh, listen, if you know that you're gonna start listening to a Death Readers podcast, and you like you're pre- preparing for it, I would recommend you have a friend text you halfway through, and then if they, if you don't like it, you can just take the text. And be, oh, I guess I'm texting now. I I gotta mm, I'm gonna oh I I gotta take this, and then just hang up on us, and right. you know you'll have a better evening. I promise. We're we're here. We really are here for your entertainment and your enjoyment. We're just not very good at it. So, if you could, I just we just want you to know that up front. Um. So, but we're gonna try. Oh, you will not. You would not have a podcast with someone who has puts more effort into it, who puts more back into it than us. Uh, it's just. Well, I think I've said enough. I think you have. Um, 
So now let's. <laughs> um, I, I we should uh, I guess we should also clarify we are doing this again uh, from separate places. Nope. This is another uh, Death Readers telecast, quarant cast, whatever I said earlier. Um, Rob is in his house. I'm in my house. I'm imprisoned in the bowels of Azkaban. I mean, I know someone has said this before, but why can't you get prison, imprisoned anywhere else? I'm sure there are probably other wizarding prisons, the way they, you know. No, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, like, oh. do you don't think oh, that Azkaban, yeah, it doesn't have ears or, like, shoulders. Well, you, I'm can't sure they... get, you can't get imprisoned in the in the hair of Azkaban. I think they just mean deep inside. Where else is deep Ugh. inside? Your they mean soul. one other place on the human body that's deep inside. Go for it. Your heart. Go ahead. God damn. And what is the heart of a prison? Your stomach. <laughs> well, that's the way to get there. But isn't really oh, the right. heart of a prison the inmates? Well, I think we we have a... I think that's the... We could make a musical about that. I think that premise is ripe for musicality. Okay. You know, you know me. I'm all about musicality. As long as tempo's not involved. <laughs> Tempo, rhythm. Oh, right, that one too. Um, so if, if this sounds weird, I don't think the last one sounded weird at no, all. I think it sounded, sounded pretty it good. Uh, I hope mine sounds good. I'm looking at my levels. My levels seem fine. There is a bit of popping thing going on. Can you uh, turn down times. a little bit because you were popping last time? But I mean, you have to, I, I think I think I've turned down something. That was what I was going to get. At. I think I've turned down something that will help with that. But this is a learning process. We'll it figure is. it out. I can't. I don't really want to listen to it as I record it because. I'll hear myself as I talk from my inner ear, and I'll also hear from my outer ear, and I also want to hear Rob talking in my inner ear's ear pods, yeah. so I, I can't really test it. Now, I did a little bit of a test earlier, but I don't know. This is all rambling nonsense. Yeah, rambling nonsense um, is the best kind of nonsense. It, it's better than the dangerous type of nonsense, that's for sure. What's the dangerous nonsense? Conspiracy theories! Oh, right. I mean, how do you use a train to ram anything if it's not on the track tracks so I, I i don't know man i think that i don't know i have no idea i have no idea all right it's not this yeah. is not the news of the world podcast it's the wizarding world podcast unless there's <laughs> an actual wizarding world podcast team in which case no offense please don't sue okay here's the here's the real uh, here's my conspiracy theory okay that guy thought that the end of the track was a track in three quarters and he thought that he was going to get all the way to some sort of Azkaban, or not Azkaban, Hogwarts, where they don't have coronavirus. Yeah. And he was going to run in and like, I'm free and safe and wizards. And it, he he was wrong. He sure was. And the deep state's going to make sure you never hear about it. <laughs> the animals. Cause that's yeah. Cause that's what this. They don't want you to know, man. There's, they're like you. If you knew the things that were really happening, you would, uh, have. You wouldn't be able to do anything about it, and that's what makes it scary. And I don't. We're off of every topic. <laughs> well, but I mean, on the other hand, we haven't got onto any topics yet, so we're okay. I, I feel like we're. Part of the course. We we keep I keep trying to get us onto the topic of explaining what we're doing here. We are okay. Let's just get into the podcast because this isn't important. Isn't important. No one cares about this. Okay. Um. 
let's start the podcast with uh, chapter 35. Beyond the Veil. Uh, my first note is page 791. Oh, hey, I'm at uh, 782. Yeah, go for it. All right. So uh, we're in the Department of Mysteries. We're being surrounded by the Death Eaters. What a shitty name. Um, Ours is worse. See, I wasn't going to spell it out. R E A D E R S. Readers. Uh, I was just, I was just curious. Was Bellatrix written specifically for Helena Bonham Carter? Can you imagine anyone else playing her? Reading that section, I maybe she was just that good and making it iconic. But I mean, it was like she was there. It, it, it there, there seems to be very little give between the written character and the act, the performed character. The description of her being gaunt and having a head like a skull. Um, some sort of description there, I was like, ooh, that is on point. <laughs> like, that is basically how you would describe Helena Bonham Carter. Really? I was not. I was Maybe. thinking more of, 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 of her acting and her particular choices for mockery and how, and how the character came through. I didn't. You think she's well, but you you have to think about okay, what if, if your if your argument is uh, that the character was written for that, or your supposition, your quandary is that the character was damn written for that actress. Then you have to ask yourself, what could uh, J.K. have seen before writing it to oh. write it for? I mean, and you have to ask yourself, what did this actress look like in those films? Oh, I got it. I got it already. I mean, yeah, I, I see your point with uh, HPC being in movies back in, like, Remains of the Day, where she was, like, a cherubic English teenager. Mm -hmm. But I believe probably around the time book one was being started, she was in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and she certainly had some freakish moments as the bride at the end of the movie. Okay, fair enough. I was uh, when I I was thinking about like her in Fight Club, which is far later. Oh yeah, no, I wasn't. I was, I was going. I was going way earlier. That's my early. But yeah, no, okay, Fight Club. I, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. She yeah. she's so gaunt in that movie. Yes, absolutely. And so she is. like skeletal mm -hmm. that it really felt like that was the version of her that was being described on the page. Sure. And um, I don't know. Again, I haven't seen. I think any movie she'd been in before that. So I can't speak to, speak to what she looked like, but I don't. I mean, I feel uh, like that could have worked. I feel like it could be like writing book what two or three, and she would have gone to see Fight Club of an evening. Seen? Yeah. Marla? When did this book come out? Didn't this book come out in like two thousand two thousand or something like that? Oh no! This no four was two thousand. This was like two thousand three or four. Fight Club had definitely come out, and this Easily. is the first time we really see Bellatrix. Yeah. So, yeah, because that was just a name. She didn't have to necessarily be characterized by that point. Right. Just double check. 2003. <clears throat> yeah, so this could easily have been written specifically for that actress in that yeah. role. Um, yeah, okay. That's. Uh, but at the same time, like in terms of like what, like this is not evidence. It's 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 a uh, speculation, and really, unfortunately, it's it's like it's like the whole Snape thing. It's like there's, is it possible Snape was explicitly written for Alan Rickman, or? Is it just there's no way to imagine anyone else playing that character? I could still because kind of imagine such a good job. Tim Roth. 
He's so short. Yeah, but he's got the hooked nose that Snape's always famous for having. And you don't need to be tall to loom over a teenager. Unless they're a Weasley twin. That's true. Unless, but a Weasley twins are supposed to be short, remember? No, I don't remember that. Oh my god. Ron's the tall one. The Weasley twins are short and stocky. I've never paid attention to that part. Oh my, we've talked about it. You son of a bitch. Yes. Welcome to our dysfunctional marriage. (laughs) All right, so you said, wait a second, what's this? But what's this? I have another note. Oh, is this your is this your Karloff? <laughs> what's this? Another note, you say? I did, well, I never I, think of the lisp, so no, you Karloff. I think it's way better. I will take this list and read it aloud. I don't know. That's that's my Karloff. I've been working on a Karloff since I saw uh uh the Grinch, Black Cat. Oh, literally, literally the only other thing he was in, Grinch or Black Cat. I should have guessed. <laughs> Well, he doesn't speak in Frankenstein. <laughs> like he... he he groans with a lisp. <laughs> <laughs> um, a seven eighty four. This is the scene where Harry uh, is kind of taunting Bellatrix and saying that Voldemort's a half blood. Or didn't he tell you that? Right, right. Um, and Hermione kind of just moans with terror and frustration in Harry's ear, like, fuck, now? We're doing this now? You have to fuck with her now? It was just a moment I enjoyed, and it's a tone of voice I hear a lot. <laughs> um, this is a, a little... I'm just like, this, this, is a, this is a fun bit of characterization. This is not getting carried away with the scene and still, re- you know, acknowledging your characters or feeling and are going to have certain reactions to things, and I liked it. Uh, I I had forgotten the explanation that Voldemort was half blood. Mm. So like hearing that was like, I assumed it was true, and I had just forgotten it. But then also like thought, ooh, even if it's not true, it's a real dick move. It's a real good way to fuck with these people. Oh yeah, but but but, but the judgment of choosing this moment to fuck with these people is not Harry's best. And I mean, I get it's getting them off their guard but when you're you know a group of kids right with with effectively you know weapons pointed at you that's it's a, that's scary yeah but it, like you said <clears throat> early in this uh even if you didn't I'll attribute it to you, you sure. like, like you said I say a lot. early in this season uh this is the book about harry exp- like everyone realizing harry has bad decision making processes <laughs> also <true>. and <laughs> and about how he is like uh, as they say in this chapter uh has a, I think, a, a pension for the heroic or, mm-hmm. or a, saving a, people think, thing. Pension for the uh, heroic you know, sounds way better. I think, but I, I thought no. Uh, is uh, Malfoy says something about heroics? He has like a weakness for heroics. I think. Oh is what yeah, he says. yeah. Um, which <laughs> is part of why they knew he would take the bait mm-hmm. to come rescue somebody, right? In in the ministry because he has a weakness for heroics. Um, and I think that I, I actually like I kind of like that idea mm-hmm. of like having a protagonist hero character who it's acknowledged is like the the fact that they want to be uh, a Prince Valiant is and Achilles heel like yeah exactly um, I like that a lot uh, I think that it would be cool if that was explored more sure like more like 
more explicitly. I guess you could, it's, it could be, you know, just that it's a really subtle thing throughout this whole book, specifically mm-hmm. this book though, not the other ones. They, it's all there, but right. you, it's not like, I don't know if it's, it's not in, called if out. It's intentional. No. Right. Um, unless you want to say like maybe some of the times that like, uh, Draco calls him out on different things. Like, cause I feel like sometimes Draco's deering can have a, of a, a flavor of being you know jealous or of harry's heroes well it's more oh, like just oh. like you know like harry is the hero harry's you know perfect potter or something like that i don't know yeah that's i'm not I remembering mean, any specific no, that's, thing that's but. <laughs> perfect potter is spot on it's just trying to use that as a taunt like you save people that doesn't make a lot of that doesn't make a lot of i can see it from his friend's point of view and from a psychological mm-hmm. aspect like this is a problem and even from an enemies we can use this against him kind of thing mm-hmm. but as a taunt like oh you're gonna go down to the food kitchen and help people oh <laughs> doesn't um, what wow i wasted time listening to that shit and just walk away i don't know but going back to voldemort for a sec the half or the the half blood thing yeah. i was assumed that was supposed to be a direct parallel to hitler being supposedly half jewish oh um, I don't know anything about that. I always thought it was ironic that Hitler had this whole thing for blondes and well, clearly wasn't one. <laughs> <laughs> also true. That was, like, yeah. I, like that that was a really odd thing that like that but that's like that thing that smacks of and I this is something I unfortunately this is my last note <laughs> of the episode but it it's it, it has to do with uh idiots not understanding that they don't understand logic. <laughs> or, or, or even their own fallacious logic, um, mm. and that reminds me of that. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I liked, I, li- I don't know, I, I liked, uh, I liked this climax. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, a lot of action, Absolutely. so much action. It's hard to keep track of what was happening, honestly, Absolutely. at points, but, but it's also really fun and like. Uh, visual and chaotic and good exciting. use of magic. Just there's just ideas you don't necessarily come back to, but in that fun world building way, like oh shit, I don't know what that was, but I don't want to mess with it. I felt like there were curses here that we had never seen before. Yeah, like which whatever I, happened to Ron, we still I, we never find out. Something caused yeah, or, him to like, like giggle and and blow up bu- blood bubbles. Yeah, or like the <clears throat> the thing where uh, Harry makes people like completely like go rigid and fall over he uses it multiple times i don't know what the name of the spell is it, are you doing a bit because that's been in there from the first movie they did it's oh, Neville, it? the full body bind petrificus totalis oh yeah that's it yeah. that's when they do it yeah i don't know i don't remember these things oh, that's okay um i remember lumos <laughs> trying to they see even... if i can bait you <laughs> they've even done uh talanta Vegra before oh had they yeah that was in uh, that. book two during uh, the duel, the wizard duel club, where they, uh, where Draco does Superinsortia and makes a snake appear, which goes after Justin Finch Fletchley, which Harry calls off using parcel tongue, and Justin goes, "What are you playing at?" Yeah, but when did they use the dancing legs? It was because remember in the book they don't just shoot colors back and forth and make them f- twirl. They do like Talantalegra and Rictum Sempra. But did any of those? actually land and show their effect. yeah they land and had different effects like oh, uncontrollable laughter or dancing legs i don't remember that it's basically the happy feet curse 
Okay. I mean, well, I, I, feel I think like, everyone I feel like knows worth, which of us is the nerd. I think it's also worth pointing out that this is probably the 3,000th page of this <laughs> series that we've read. And you know, when you've read them eight times, you'll remember the spells too. <laughs> I'm very confident that is not something I will do in my lifetime. It, it, it counts if you listen to Jim Dale or Stephen Fry read them. Well, okay, fine. I guess that's easier, but I still won't do it. Um, okay, fair enough. Because the, <laughs> uh, then you're not looking at page numbers, you're looking at times. You're saying, all right, can I commit this amount of time to re-listening to this story? Fine. Um, so I, I, I don't remember those things. The blood thing, yes. Uh, how did... I, I'm, I feel bad for Ginny breaking her ankle. Yeah. Um, that sucks. I, I feel bad for Luna still being, like, mocked. Ron sucks so much. Just like... <laughs> he, he was addled and had been attacked. I will... I do think... I don't remember if I have a note about this or if it just occurred to me, but... It does seem to me that Ron's greatest enemy in this whole scene is Thought. Yeah. Literally attacked by brains, and that that, that one... I, I felt pain on Ron's behalf for that one. Uh, we come back to that, don't worry. Okay, oh, um, okay, good. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, do you have anything before page 791? No, 791 is actually my next note. So once you d- take okay. a note... <laughs> well, my note is just that the ugly baby-headed Death Eater uh, was weird. <laughs> That's my note. How about that baby-headed shit? <laughs> is what I wrote. It's, it's really... It's real weird. That's that's like Toy Story Sid shit. That <laughs> yes, it is. Made me feel, like, awkward. Like, what am I... Re- like, I like weird shit, okay? I really like weird movies and weird visuals and things like that uh it it, it's that thing the same thing with ron being sort of drunk with whatever curse he was hit with i was gonna talk i I didn't write this note down but i will talk about it It, it, because it struck me about it's that same thing she does where she has the capacity to write these really intense and scary exciting sequences but then undercuts it with this weird comedy and maybe that's what she wants maybe she wants it to be both uh, but I don't. It's like whenever John Landis says that American Werewolf in London is a comedy, and it's like right. that's up to the audience, dude. Like you, you wanted it to be a comedy, but it's not really that funny. Right. It's not really a funny movie. <laughs> it has like derisive comments in mm-hmm. it, but it's not a it's not a comedy. Correct. Um, it's a body horror film. Like mm-hmm. it's that's what it is. So, but to me, but like that's what these scenes that's what these scenes seem like is you know a writer who is probably self-conscious about writing something that's too actiony okay and and uh, that's my that's my guess it has to have uh, some... or, or or someone else came in and was like hey don't forget this is books for 8 year olds um i don't cuz it's a it's a horrific th- I, I, that doesn't seem like it's for 8 year you're right and they keep coming back to it to make sure that you know that this thing is lumbering around, swatting at things with, like, what you can only guess is terror. Like, a, yeah. a baby terrified hitting things, but with this grown man's body. it's Because it's also, you're also indicated that it's not just a physical, for, like, it's not just a, a facial change. It's like mm-hmm. his brain. Right. Like, his brain oh, is reverted to that brain of a baby. Absolutely. And... Um, I, I guess if you are a really little kid, you might go, ha ha, he's turned into a baby. That's less than me. 
with your little kid thought pattern. But that's everyone else. I think even a lot of little kids will look at that and be like, that's horrifying. See, it's funny you say that because I have a feeling like 11 and 12 year olds would read that and go, that's stupid. I'm not reading this anymore. <laughs> no. You're giving that 11 year olds so way too much credit. That's what I would have thought at 11. I would have been like, I'm cooler than this. It's stupid. I I want to see lasers and, 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 and spaceships. That's not stupid. <laughs> I was like that that's once, but I was six. 30. Oh, six. And, and uh, my next door neighbor, uh, who's like a year younger than me, was like, you want to come on? He was so earnest. So I uh, feels like shit about it to this day. Um, he's like, you want to come over and uh, play with He-Man? And I'm like, no. I don't like He-Man anymore. I'm too old for that. I like dinosaurs. That's awesome. No, it wasn't awesome. That's really cool. It was not cool. This was not a brag. This was shame. No, no. I'm saying it's cool because that is... Because dinosaurs are such a littler kid thing to be into. So <laughs> but the I was idea like, that you... from like a biology standpoint, from like I'm going to read yeah, about... You were Shut up. Off the bones. Shut up, yeah. you dick. You're... <laughs> This is the iridium layer in the in the earth crust. And what that is, see, the thing about iridium is it's an element that comes from space. <laughs> and you can't, you know, so, listen, stop talking to me about Skeletor. Ah! <laughs> um, anyway, uh, no, I, I'm sure I did stuff like that, too. I, I don't remember exactly what the franchise was because it was probably more franchise related. I think it was like a reverse for me. Sure. Like, I would be like, I don't like He-Man or Thundercats because that's too old. Right. Like, old people like that. Oh, I never had anything I was too old for or or, or that I was too young for that. Like, uh, one day maybe, but not now. Except maybe taxes, am I right? <laughs> oh. No. <laughs> I, I do my civic duty. Don't worry. Good. Hopefully you filled out your census, too. Do my civic duty all over those tax forms. And wipe my butt with them. All right. Um, <laughs> I mean, it feels like compulsory to mention, uh, you know, like Cronenberg uh, and Lynch uh, in in this kind of baby-headed Beth Eater moment. Yeah. But, um, you know, just figured I'd, I'd just put those names out there to remind everyone that we are familiar with them. Um, <laughs> well, we're familiar with... One of them. Which one? I'm not that familiar with Lynch. Uh, nor am I. But oh, okay. I am. I don't. Um, okay. Have you watched your I mean, uh, Cronenbergs yet? I have watched uh, Naked Lunch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. And I, a long time ago, I watched Mulholland, Mulholland Drive. That's, that's not Cronenberg. No, but it's Lynch. Which is because his name's David. doesn't make it Cronenberg. I watched like half of Twin Peaks. Again, that's not Cronenberg. No, but when we started talking about two different guys. You said we're not familiar with one of them, and I'm trying to justify how well, kind of a little bit am. I also I think, watched all of Dumb, Dumb World. Dumb World's great. I don't even know what that is. It's a, like a web series he did. It's like a cartoon. It's real is, weird. Are they both Canadian? Or is it just Cronenberg? I don't know. Okay. Um, I'm going to assume... No, no, I'm pretty sure David Lynch is from, like, Kansas or something like that. Oh, because, like, the straight story or something? No, I, I think I have saw it somewhere, like, uh, Kentucky or Kansas. It's one of those, like, 
one of those real middle of America uh, places where you're like, sure. how did a weirdo like that come out of a place like that? Gotcha. Probably because he was came out of a place like that. Probably. Uh, but Cronenberg's definitely Canadian. Yeah. My next note is seven ninety five. Mine is seven ninety four. Okay. Uh, and it, it's a it's about the sequence where Neville gets kicked in the face and his father's wand is broken in twain. Yeah. Um, and uh, my note is that Neville reminds me a lot of Lancelot. He's mm. like the, the Lancelot of these books. He certainly uh, in is that, this scene. In in that he's far more heroic and more handsome than the uh, the lead hero, than our protagonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and have a sequence for your heroic journey be that your father's wand or your father's sword, if you will, is broken in half while you're wielding it in battle is pretty, like, epic. Like, it's a very Greek tragedy style, like, like story beat uh-huh. to have. Uh-huh. And, and then he still keeps going back for more and still fighting and still fighting and just basically doing all the legwork that Harry doesn't do. I've got more on this. Go ahead. Uh, more on this from like what will happen in the future, or from just what you've said already, his thoughts have come to me. That that is my basically my whole thought. Okay, well, uh, I mean, further to further this, he's already had a connection with Jenny mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. Harry, right? Ooh. Who's named Genevra, which is very similar to Guinevere, or however you, however you want to say it, pronounce that name. Um, it's not short for Jeanette. It's a it's a it's a weirder, closer to Guinevere name, and. Longbottom, La- Lance a lot, lot of Lance, <laughs> right? Sure, sure. Are you, are <laughs> you my... implying that? Are you implying that Sir Lancelot was named thusly because he had a huge dick? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. And you know Neville's packing. Come on. He's packing in the pants, at least in the back, <laughs> that, in the back of the pants. Well, his long bottom. Well, it's long it's on the bottom because it, the the shaft is so. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's why no. he had no problem killing that snake. He's he doesn't need to compensate. Just like don't care. Oh, wait, we haven't got there yet. Sorry, spoilers. Yeah, one we haven't gotten there too. Icky. <laughs> um, um. But but, but I also, do like the idea that he already. But mostly, I like the part. But everything else I thought you said was shit, except the part about <laughs> him him already having a uh, like a romance with Ginny. That's that's a beat I didn't catch. Right. Uh, I do not think this is actually something she intended. I'm just saying, like I see similarities. No, <clears throat> but also, I, I don't want to get too much into spoiler territory in the future. But I do kind of want to mention it now, so I don't forget it later. Uh, his father's wand broke and he stepped the fuck up. Yeah. And it's kind of like stepping out from his dad's shadow. Cause I don't know if you've gotten enough of this yet, but he's been kind of kept down by his grandmother being like, why aren't you like your dad? Why aren't you like your dad? But his dad's wand broke and he's just fucking unleashed. So right. that's also kind of a cool moment. Yeah. Cause Neville well, he's does great. not like, give up. He, I'm like, like I would have fucking sat down at this point. He's like, Nope. I can't fucking no, move my is, legs, and I'm still gonna like take you out. He, uh, uh, the way that they describe, you know, the main characteristics of Gryffindors, uh, I haven't seen any character exemplify that more than Neville. Yeah, absolutely. Except, except maybe Cullen, but that's you know. Or, or <laughs> I mean, was it was it in the Dennis, second book where Dennis, he tried? Excuse me. De- right, absolutely. Was it the second book where he tried to take on Crab and Goyle, or was that in the first? But whenever, I mean, it was the seeds it have was been early. there. Yeah, no, he's definitely like 
you mentioned like people saying, well, Hermione should be the protagonist. And I mean, Neville, Neville's no Ron. No, no, he's not. Um, okay. That's my, uh, joke. My next joke is page 795. Your next joke. <laughs> 795. Go for it. You think you should go for it. I've got a 795. Don't you? I do. Okay. Yeah, no. Um, it's about the Accio brains. Okay. Um, it just seemed like something from a cartoon. Everyone turned to look in spite of themselves. I love There's something. I, I know oh, yeah, he's yeah, addled, yeah. but it's so stupid and unexpected that when Ron says Accio brains, everyone stops like, did he fucking do that? <laughs> this is life or death. We're trying to keep, what the, f- what? Everyone just had to See, stop and go, what? My question is, why didn't everyone in the room's skull lurch them forward towards Ron? <laughs> because the, presumably everyone in the room has brains. Nope. They're just hidden in their heads and skulls. That's a good um, point. And if only the brains in the tanks lurch forward, then that sort of implies that none of the characters in the room have brains. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a really, really good point. I, th- I mean... To uh, downplay the humor and answer your question, I would say the spell is contingent upon intent. Mm-hmm. And Ron was saying those brains, but that also answer asks why couldn't that be a move in a, a spell? Battle? Yeah, yeah, like Accio Accio eyeball. Brain. We're done. Yeah, 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 like a total um, move. Yeah, Accio colon. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Prolapsio anus. <laughs> you would win. No one could could fight back after that. No. You'd just be done. You wouldn't yep. even you it would ruin it would it would be so overpowered that it would ruin all dueling in the books. Like if the, the, <laughs> as soon as we've thought of this, <laughs> we became the best duelist ever. <laughs> oh, it's like what uh, Bellatrix says later about, you know, you really have to mean it when you use a, an unforgivable curse. Yeah. You know, you have to really, you have to mean it. And if you don't, it's not going to work. It's not going to be as powerful. It's not, you can't just say it. You have to really want it. And <laughs> I think that it probably goes for all spells. Yeah. So you, you really, really have to want that person's anus to fall out. <laughs> if you, I would say if you I probably would. Them in, yep. <laughs> you mean, I, I, it's like... <laughs> Um, it's like an arms race, right? Like as soon as you, as soon as someone uh, figures out you can accio anus, then like or accio colon, then you're you gotta you gotta do it first. <laughs> you, so like, dueling becomes like a thing where it's like either a stalemate, right, a cold war, if you will, or you, it's whoever gets to that button first, and <laughs> it had better be you. Um. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't want anyone else's saying. finger on the button because butt. Mm. That brings me to my 795, okay. which is Rob should be ashamed for laughing at the Uranus joke. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. You weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody saw anything. 
Mm. I read that and I was like, hmm. <laughs> That's why I wanted you to read your 795 first because I thought you were going to be like, oh, is this the right Uranus joke? And I was going to be like, I gotcha. I said on my note, you should be ashamed of that. <laughs> um, but we somehow got to buttholes anyway, so we're good. <laughs> we sure uh, it's all, we all It all comes back to buttholes. Come on. <laughs> um, my next note is page 806. Oh, 805. You go first, then. Let me set the scene. Everyone's right. fighting. The prophecy has just smashed. Arising from the prophecy is a pearly white figure with hugely magnified eyes. I wonder yes. who those other three letters could have belonged to. Professor Trelawney. That's SPT. T. Trelawney, maybe. Could be. Sybil. Her name's Sybil Trelawney. Sybil blank Trelawney. Very likely. I, I don't know yeah, what the her. P is for. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's her. But you didn't see that one coming. No, but I, as soon as, like, the big eyeballs happened, I was like, well, it's, it's either Trelawney or it's Dobby. And uh, only one of them... I guess they're both really good at making predictions. <laughs> Harry Potter must not go to Hogwarts this year. Harry Potter will die. <laughs> All right. Uh, my next <laughs> note is 806. So you have an 806, right? Yeah. My 806 is... Uh, so I thought the order arriving was like the cavalry. And then I thought Dumbledore was the cavalry. And then Sirius died, and I remembered that everything sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Two cavalries aren't enough, man. I it, it as soon as the as soon as the order arrived, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And like I remembered from the movie that Sirius dies in this weird way that's ambiguous and confusing. Like Which, which is did, my note, so let me just pause you real quick. Okay. What killed Sirius is my note. Go ahead. Well, I think it's the veil. Is it the veil? I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know what it did. I think the veil's supposed to be death. It's just like it is the a death, the doorway to death, death, the guard, the the the. You don't think the, it's you think it's metaphoric, not like a literal thing. I don't think it's another thing that causes death. I think it's death the way time was in the jar. What does that mean? Time was the the, the jar that um that turned the guy's head made the head guy's head a baby. Oh, Remember? that was time. Her, Hermione, when they were walking through the first time, Hermione is like, "It's time." When they're watching the bird grow oh. to an or grow from an egg and then shrink back into an egg, she's like, "It's time," as if it's time itself. Ethereally, they were able to manifest time. I think this doorway is similarly death and similarly early. How there's that mysterious door that can't be opened. It's going to have no payoff other than a sentence, and you're probably going to hate it. It's a similar thing. <laughs> Great. Um, I really want to build this up so you pick it up on your own, and I don't have to remind I you. I hated it already. <laughs> I hate it so much. Um, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. The, the spell that she hits him with, they don't describe what it is. It's a, it's a red like spell. You're right. It specifically the spell they that hits him is not described. She it says she hit she sent a red spell at him and he ducked. She sent another spell, and that's what hit him. I assume it's also red. I feel it this would is have been. Page, do we know what page he died on? Eight oh six. 
Is that it might be 805 to 806. It? it might be 805 to 806. Um, I know I in the like movie, I'm pretty sure they... In the movie, they muddy the waters, and I think she sends an actual Avada Kedavra or green spell at him. So it makes it a little more ambiguous. But I'm pretty sure... <clears throat> it goes red spell, another spell, through the veil, gone. I'm not that much of a nerd. I just no, no, no. You, you're, you're right. You're okay. right. Um, the laughter had not quite died from his face, but his eye, eyes widened. But it was shot. about to, because he's gonna die. And and take does, laughter with him. It, it does say the second jet of light hit him squarely on the chest. And the second, even calling it the second jet of light, makes it sound like just like the last one, which was red. Right. Right. So I think it's fair to, to frog DNA this into being a red jet of light. Which is usually like a stunning spell. Well, uh, I can't remember in the movie if they depict or any... I think Havada Kedavras are green. Right. In the movie, I believe she hits him with a green spell, which is why okay. it makes it very confusing to me. The veil oh. has nothing to do with it other than not having a body, which would have been dead anyway because she hit him with an unforgivable curse and he would have died the end. Um, except in the movie, she hits him with a curse, and then he still has a moment to go, oh, which wouldn't have happened. I think yeah. he would have just been dead. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So who knows? Unless it's just the door, and in which case, the door is just death. Or the doorway to death. Does that mean he's well, alive I mean, in the land of pl- the dead? Unless something else happens to clarify what this arch is, it could literally be anything. Like, it could be uh, a Passing through the doorway removes your spirit from your body, but if you hadn't passed through it, your spirit would be still contained in your body. No, nothing so overt will be, ever be said, but the next chapter is the classic Dumbledore chapter, where he's just going to talk. Right. You mean the, the one, chapter 36 or chapter 37? The 37? The, yeah, 36 is going to be the talking chapter. Thirty. This is this is 35, right? Yeah, and then we, we still have one chapter left in this podcast, which we've already read. That one. Oh, that you're you're about. right. You're right. I I skipped. Sorry. Yes. So the yeah, next chapter so we will read thirty seven. Yes. Will be Dumbledore talking, and it yeah, will be the... him making cryptic statements that we will have to infer things from, and we'll talk all about it. Oh, it's going to be such a good episode. Yeah. Summary exposition. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> yeah. The. I don't know, man. I I think that it's. Uh... It would be nice. If it was the veil that killed him, I guess, to sort of rob Beltrix of that mm-hmm. sort of direct mur- murder, but it doesn't matter. Like, it's, he, you know, it doesn't matter. Did you want to get back to Everything Sucks? Because I didn't mean to derail you. I just wanted oh, to Oh, no, that's mine. just, no. <laughs> I, I feel like that, you could add that note to the end of every note I make. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I did. I did write that everything sucks. Serious too, uh, because I, I think that I have a little bit of a beef with the way she's written serious, in that he's probably written perfectly, but I don't like hearing stories about how great characters are and then like not really getting to see them be great. Oh, uh, okay. I, I okay. feel like serious is a cocktease, <laughs> in that sense of like he's you hear like oh man he went out and he like fucked up peter pettigrew <laughs> oh man it was fucking crazy 12 people died it was fucking nuts and then like like he is so badass and he's so fucking cool with his hair and is not giving a fuck 
God, he's the best. And then, like, all you really see of him is, like, being a skeletal inmate who's, like, crazy <laughs> or a guy who's tr- on house arrest and crazy. Hey, <laughs> like, hey, sound familiar? Yeah. Yeah. It's boring. Let me tell you. And you've boring. got like, a black bit. dog. I've got two black dogs. Yeah, but, but yeah, I'm um, saying you're basically serious black. I hope I'm not going to die like that. Um, you got time. Freaking! If Corona gets me like that, I'm gonna be pissed. What's the what's the what's the message? What is the literal message? Don't Where? leave the house. Oh well, yes. Sirius was under house arrest. He was fine. He left the house, gone, through the veil. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna try. Is your cousin to leave in town? Much. No. Good. Well, then you're you should be good. I be Beware your cousin. This is my Julius Caesar style soothsayer prophecy. I don't have any uh, creatures either, so no one to undermine. Y- me you've there. got a creature. I've been to your house. You've got a creature. He's he's fine. He's a good boy. Um, oh, he's a good boy. Uh, um, Master does like his little jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's what I mean about Sirius being like a problematic character for me. Is like. Uh, even the flashbacks, he's just he's an asshole, and maybe that's maybe that's fun too. Like it's it's its own thing. I don't need everything to be so like cookie cutter or traditionally narrative. Sure. But it, uh, I guess what I'm saying is I would like to have some content where you do get that like itch scratched, where you do get to see Sirius being cool and heroic and like exciting, and um, in the sense of like the way like George R. R. Martin. Uh, orchestrates the Game of Thrones narratives and stuff, you don't always get what you want because what you want's probably boring. Right. What you want is what you want satisfying and satisfying is boring. Right. Um and that's fine. Um but like I, I guess my problem is I also just don't really see why Harry thinks he's so great. That's the thing that twi- 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 twicks me up about it is that like uh trips me up about it is that <clears throat> Harry is so into him. Um and and his he has very little exposure to uh, series being awesome. I feel like but I can make an argument great, for it. He just well, okay, but he just has this big myth about him. He has this big like the mythos around Sirius Black is is built high for sure. Harry. And I don't I don't know if I can appreciate it. But well, go ahead, take a crack. I mean, we mythologize our parents, and eventually learn that they're just humans, and there's a fall from grace disappointment factor there. Um, and Harry never had parents, so he kind of went overboard when he got serious, even in a little burst. He just went, boom, mega fan. And then as soon as Sirius started being bitchy and like a normal person, that kind of brought him down, and then Sirius was dead. I would be fine with that if we didn't have to get there through the, he was their friend! <laughs> that was the movie. But still, like, it's... <laughs> that's the that's the the transition I don't buy. Mm-hmm. It's it's difficult to accept like how what the the events that take place between those two realities and those two mindsets of Harry. A flimsy little bridge. And also, it's it's funny. I think I've heard Radcliffe talk about not feeling it at that time for whatever reason and being like embarrassed watching that back. Um. So that part that clearly did not convey what it was supposed to, 
uh, is what you took away and defined many characters with. It's interesting. Maybe the fault is yours. <laughs> that's that's how people should t- look at their audiences. You know how like I start every episode by apologizing to our audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's because I'm I I think I know better <laughs> than than to think it's their fault that that we suck. Um, <laughs> um, that's my last note. <laughs> okay, uh, that's I don't have any more notes on that chapter. Um, that does bring us into chapter thirty-six. The only one he ever feared. Uh, I don't have any notes on this chapter. That's not entirely what? true. I have I have an overview note on this. Uh, Why don't you give me the overview note, and then we can get into my minutia. All right. No, because this is a okay. Fine. Then we'll go to my first note, which is 813, but it actually goes farther back in time than that. Maybe to the first chapter of the first book. The Boy Who Lived? Hey, you are learning stuff. Dumbledore's Apparition. Dumbledore's Apparition. As in his power to apparate. Right, right. Dumbledore is, I think, to date, the only person we've seen that can apparate quietly. And he swished away in a fold of robes, and that's what made me think of this. Uh, he does it in the first book, when he, when, he, when he shows up to meet Professor McGonagall and cat form and await Hagrid. Um, everyone, including house elves, which we know operate with a different bran- bra- branch of magic, uh, have a loud crack, as if the air is, you know, rushing to fill the void. Mm-hmm. But Dumbledore does not. And it just made me think, Why? And I and is there some more complicated form of apparating that's nuanced and detailed and the equivalent of a hipster learning to ride a unicycle that nobody wanted to deal with? And that's why they just go with this standard regular apparition, because that's good enough for us. And we're just going to teach the kids. And Dumbledore is like, no, man, I'm going to be different because I can see Um, I can see Dumbledore as a twee hipster wizard in his in his teens. Could be. Could also be that uh, he's like a he's got that special phoenix blood. No, no, it's it's definitely twee hipster Dumbledore. Okay. I want. Don't you want to see a a a a series about a younger than Jude Law Dumbledore with a big handlebar mustache and a monocle? Sure. Just just kind of strolling around nineteen twenties London, like a. Like a poppin' jay with a nosegay. It's a, it's a perfumed handkerchief. Okay, it's not a comment on his sexuality? No. It's what all those fops would carry to cover, you know, to, to guard them from the stench of their unwashed fellow man. Oh, like a plague doctor mask. Kind of, but this is just from the stinky people who didn't believe in baths. Nerds. <laughs> I believe in baths, just not soap. Um. Yeah. Um. Only. only I would. I would watch that series only if uh, Dumbledore was played by Michael Gambon. Uh. No. Why? Because Michael Gambon is no Dumbledore. Isn't he? Yeah. He isn't. Oh, okay. Good. He is. <laughs> Mm. Is. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> That'd be a great place to sync everything up. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, what else you got? Uh, eight fourteen. Oh, this scene, this fight between uh, Dumbledore and Voldemort is one of my favorites in the whole series of movies. I, it's way better. It's I think, really brief. Book. Oh, in the movie. In okay. the movie, yeah. In the in the movie, I really enjoy the like the shattered glass turning into sand, and and there's a lot of visual stuff that's really clever. And the book does do some fun things, but I remember the movie like I'm like, oh, they should have been doing this the whole time. Yeah. This is this is how you shoot magic. This is right. it, it. It it was just it was a it was a moment, but it, it it I felt the same thrill watching that that I had watching the the wizard duel in uh, Sword in the Stone, where they got mm-hmm. really creative with that shit. And I'm like, that's right. what you should be doing. Right. Uh, I totally agree. Um, <clears throat> from my recollection of it, the the book basically has one shot where Fox takes an Avada Kedavra in the mouth, and then Dumbledore like turns. Voldemort into an ice cube or something and yeah. then like that's it and then there's just some like there's some weird like deflective magic that happens and that's you're talking about the book or the movie now the book yeah there's a fiery whip I believe Balrog style okay. and something about the the water cocooning Voldemort I don't know nah. that's the ice cube thing I think I, I don't I don't oh, know that, you're, yeah you're, no, you're right it it all like like because it, it solidifies around him and then he like disapparates or something like in it um it's strange probably using that unicycle apparition probably or, or something even darker and more hipster there's there's nothing darker than hipster i mean i think there's different like shades of hipster like there's your paps blue ribbon like uh shandy I, I listened to this before it was cool kind of thing, kind of hipster. And then there's the uh, I make my own mustache wax hipster. That's pretty hipster, yeah. Yeah, and then there's, you know, God, there's so many different varieties. They got so, good vests, though. You got to give them that. They, they do they do rock a good suit vest and jeans. I, I guess. Um, yep. <laughs> I gotta give him that, apparently. Yeah, you do. You gotta give it to him. Um, good, yeah, good fight. Uh, I like, I think in the book, I don't remember this in the movie, but I liked in the book how Dumbledore makes all the statues come to life somehow and, mm-hmm. like, jump around and be cool, like uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Pack style. it up, pack it in. Just jump around. Oh. Wow. Everyone else. Got no, it. I knew what it was, but I really <laughs> wanted to. I was going more for uh, what is the law? No, no spill blood. No spill blood, which is from Island of Doctor Moreau. No, Island of Lost Souls. And <sighs> I meant the book. Lost, it's from it's in from Island the book? of Lost in Island of Lost Souls. The also name the remake with Fruza Balk. The name of the building where they make the beastmen is called uh, the, the 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 Voldemortuary. The House of Pain. Oh, right. I should know that. I listened to Danny Elfman. So you pack it up and pack it in. Let me begin. No, you've begun many minutes ago. I done. 
<laughs> supposed to be a past tense of did, but it turned out uh, it kind of was. Died. I done. I it was died. past tense, right? I done. I, I don't I know. <laughs> uh, last note. What's your last note? But one last note. Eight fifteen. It feels like bad writing. You'll have to remind. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's because I've read these books so often and I've come across this passage in this book before. But it seems to me that Harry is done with pain beyond imagining a lot. First time he got crucioed, cursed. It, it was pain beyond imagining. Pain beyond endurance. And I'm like, I feel like she's done that other places. And I'm like, but he should be able to imagine it because it's already happened. Sounds like pain beyond descriptive writing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. I don't know. Like, that's a... It's, it sounds like an easy thing to communicate to children, I guess. Like, you can't even imagine how much this hurts. It was like it's ten that. spankings at once. You ever, like, stubbed your toe and then hit your funny bone on something? Yeah. And you have to fart, but you can't? What? It's like all of that. No, I gotta you fart. Even, you can't imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you I, want to think about pain, pain you can't imagine. Yeah. Like, can you really imagine what it would feel like? Can you really imagine? Do you think accurately what it would feel like to be flayed alive? No. I mean, that's what I mean. Like you could, for like you the could first write. cut, mate. Well, for the first part of the first, so no. So like getting a paper cut, <laughs> I can, I can, right. As far as a paper cut goes, I can imagine it. Right, but so if you say like, like that's what. I guess the I guess the difference is, it's not pain you can't it's it's pain you can't imagine, versus pain you can't. Or beyond imagination, or something like that. Whatever she says. Like, I guess there's two different things. Like, like there's pain beyond description, right. and then there's pain beyond imagination. Right. And I don't necessarily think that they're, they don't, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. I guess, but like, I, I hear what you're saying. It does feel like, uh, you've been to that well before. Yeah, geez, Harry, you've been hurt quite a few times in quite a few different ways. Like, like I, okay, here's an example. I can't imagine how painful it would be to have your bones liquefied, but Harry can. But no, no, because they specifically said it didn't hurt. His arm just got floppy and numb. Well, pain and hurt aren't necessarily the same thing. Heartache. Okay. That that liquefies my bones. Did you want that to be bone? Yes. And I was cowardly. I was too cowardly to do it. Oh, I, I will turn back to my note from page 795. This is your, this is your, oh, oh, <laughs> shame on me. <laughs> Harry, Harry, we, we can see Uranus. You get it, Harry. You get it. Um, so that was your final note? Yeah, that was my final note. You can be your overview. My overview, which is the same thing I was saying about the uh, reference in the last chapter. Everything sucks? No, <laughs> it's it's the idea that um, I'm, just, I'm struck by how accurately uh, the description of Fudge being resistant to accept Voldemort's return. Oh, yeah. Uh, how much that resembles the way scared and easily influenced people are convinced uh, of conspiracy theories. Mm. 
and insanity, like anti-vaxxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, it, it's metaphorically in this in this story, they they could literally be standing in front of the evidence mm-hmm. that would. A, a, an actual evidence too, not something yeah, actual, labeled evidence. actual evidence. Right, actual evidence. Right, like something that they could, if they could allow themselves to admit that they were incorrect and make a change in in their comprehension or their decision to move forward with rationale, right, justifying bad logic, that it's so difficult mm-hmm. that they won't even do it or they refuse. Right. Um. It's it's infuriating. It's infuriating to someone who. Uh, I would, I, I want so badly, I guess I'm going to have to work on getting better at being okay with being incorrect mm-hmm. because I feel like to not be is completely antithetical to how I feel like being a intelligent human, uh, or how, how I believe an intelligent human should behave. Um, and I don't want, I, I would, I would rather be an intelligent human than a proud human. Sure. How are, how are you in, not okay with being incorrect? And what do you mean? Do you mean like oh, you no, don't I see mean it like, when you're incorrect or you are you are incorrect I'm, and so you strive to learn the correct thing? I'm talking about things like being obstinate. Um like like being like uh Yeah, you got to you got to get over that, man. That shit's old. <laughs> um <laughs> being like you know, like uh I think it's easy to get yourself caught in a trap of not really considering the logic behind the things you are saying or thinking. Mm-hmm. And I find myself trapped in there a couple times uh, recently or, uh, and found myself like pu- having to pull myself back out. Oh yeah. And being like, what, what am I doing here? Why am I saying this? Why, why am I even having this conversation kind of, kind mm-hmm. of things? Um, and I think that there's a lot of people that don't, Mm. make that connection and th- those are the people i don't want to be like i make that connection every day <laughs> it's true um and and so like that's what i mean like those those um and i think that that's where it comes down to for those people is, is a couple of things it's like a mix of pride mm-hmm. like a feeling like they have they are embarrassed to have put so much of their uh you know, self-worth or their uh, pride on the line mm-hmm. on something that is just fucking wrong and and fallacious. So instead of like admitting that, they fight harder, double down, and then and then are just obstinate and and uh, logicless. Sure, and that that's the shit that drives me crazy. Um, makes me in, in you know just infuriated. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I saw that right here in this chapter with, and, and then I realized it's sort of like the whole book could you, th- that character Fudge's arc in this book from the end of the last book to, to this moment. I don't know. I haven't finished this book yet, but like at least up to this moment is kind of a study on that, you know, like what, what does that look like? What kind of damage can someone with authority who is that way do? <laughs> What? Nothing. What? Uh, nothing. I'm just. I imagine that would be a really hard world to live in. <laughs> yeah, that's. Um, all. but that's the thing is that there are people who do, don't see it that way. Uh, yeah, that's true. There are people who don't, who are so they've put so much of their self identity on the line to back up people like that. Sure. 
They, or, or that's also how they see the world, and it affirms them to see someone not backing down. Yeah, exactly. Like they they think it's value. It, there's value in refusing to admit when you've been incorrect. Right. Um, I hate it. It's not what the fucking enlightenment was about, <laughs> and it really pisses me off that there are people who are so disconnected from that. Uh, like it's almost like you know how the enlightenment was a was a period of time where like as a society the the we we strove to move towards uh understanding and 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 testing and and learning about the way the world works yeah. based on yeah, you know good. like you know repeated study and observations yeah um and it was called the enlightenment i think i don't know if this has already been coined somewhere else but i feel like we're in the great dimming where like most people are so much more comfortable just being stupid mm-hmm. that it's it's like the inverse and that's uh, sad. It's the book I like that kind of talks all about that. By Carl Sagan. Hey, Chuck. <laughs> the Demon Haunted World, Science is a Candle in the Dark. Mm-hmm. It's all about anti-intellectualism. It was written like 20 or more years ago. Probably more. Probably oh, yeah, 40. Yeah, if he died in 95. Yeah, oh, God. Um, it was like 30 years ago, and, and I read it a couple, like a year ago or two, and it's just... Oh, this is this does not sound like it's thirty years old. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, oh uh, man, go watch Cosmos again. Yes, and I have, and it's huh, heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy stuff. Yeah, uh, it's it really bums me out like so often, and and so frequently. Uh, I I I, I unfortunately get being so afraid of being wrong that you're going to do something stupid I don't understand being so afraid of being wrong you're going to tear down society oh well I, I think it's more than just that uh, I think the tear down society people I think it's more like you have that mix of, of... I, 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 I don't I, I didn't mean but specifically like anarchists I meant people who just allow it to happen like I don't care if life goes this way oh I can't be wrong so because that's okay. the way life's going to go I was thinking more about people who were like they they desire a self fulfilling prophecy and they pro- prophesize that society will fall apart. Gotcha. Um, so they deliberately like do things that don't help maintain society. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, or a civil society at sure. minimum. Uh, yeah. It. This is all probably incredibly vague and non-specific, and people probably don't know exactly what we're talking about or anything like I think, that. I think it's, people have an idea. Uh, yeah. It's so weird to be... I find myself cast in the role of the optimist lately, and it's weird. It's weird for me. Yeah, that is weird. Um, I find myself comfortably in the position of the pessimist, so <laughs> where I don't know what to do. <laughs> I was listening to the... Uh, um, the second, I finished the second commentary on the Criterion Collection's Seventh Samurai uh, release mm-hmm. uh, tonight, and there's a part in that one where the commentary guy, because um, it clearly wasn't Akira Kurosawa, is a film historian of some note. It was a yeah yeah gotcha. Um, he was talking about how uh, he said something about a piece of trivia about the film. Sure. 
And then he said something like, and the cynic will note that I actually said something entirely different 34 minutes ago. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> and, I, and I was like, what? He's right. <laughs> that is what I would say. That's cool. Um, there's a part in that, in that same commentary where there's a moment where one of the characters, uh, who's like the master swordsman, like the strong silent type mm-hmm. who's extremely confident and just gets things done, uh, makes a swing with his sword at a, a bandit riding a horse and it, the shot makes it look like he missed, uh-huh. but he's, the, the thing about his character is that he's so you know perfect and precise that he could never possibly miss. Right. And so the uh, commentator says something like, uh, he says the character's name. I forget. Sure. Um, character's name, but he says the character's name, and he says, you know, could he have missed? And then it like waits and waits, and waits until you see the next shot of the uh, horseman like falling over the horse and like riding off well, the horse keeps riding and the, his, he's just hanging limply off the saddle right and the commentator says of course not <laughs> and <laughs> and then and then like an hour later there's a shot where he totally swings at a guy at a horse and misses and the guy says nothing <laughs> and i was just like and then he calls himself uh, out on it no, he doesn't. He's oh, that's, not the, he doesn't that's say, not the scene where he said he he said I said something different. No, no, there's an entirely different like there's two sets. Got, of sure, 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 sure. I'm yeah. with you. Sorry, I was trying to conflate um, the two. That's my that's my bad. Yeah, and and he uh, and I was just sitting there like, oh, you should have said something. And I'm like thinking to myself afterwards, like this commentary was recorded like ten years ago. Yeah, like this, who gives a shit? <laughs> but then again, I'm a guy sitting there watching a commentary of a, that was recorded. <laughs> 10 years ago, presumably, for a movie that was made 60 years ago. Sure. So, I guess I am the guy who cares. We all care about things. I'm going to watch the Kevin Smith commentary for Jane Silent Bob reboot. Which one? Because he did, he did one for uh, the quarantine. Is there another one? Because I know he released a video on YouTube and then released the quarantine podcast, but it's the same one. It has a different intro. Oh, is it? I believe I so. Don't he's know. Like, I just I saw he's him. Like, he's like he's, he's like we're gonna get to what I recorded, uh, quarantine in a moment. But first, we're gonna go to one of my live shows for ten minutes and listen to that. Is what he I said um, I don't know because I didn't watch it. Sure, but I saw that he went live on Facebook, and I imagine it was. I think that was the quarantine one. I feel like it's the same one. But anyways, that's why I'm gonna check it out. Possibly likely. So um, I'm a film story in two. I uh, I did check out the Kevin Eastman uh, live commentary cast of the uh, first Ninja Turtle movie. Oh, cool. Yeah. Did, did he like it? I watched... Well, I mean, he's seen it before. <laughs> Is his overall view positive since the book was so gritty and the movie was so Jim Henson? Ah. Um, yeah, he loves it. Okay. Like, he, he, he's the kind of guy who seems so gleeful at the fact that he made it on a concept so ludicrous. Gotcha. And so he... Uh, like, the movie starts... I swear to God, dude, you watch that that, that video. He, the movie starts, and it's he's just like, yay! <laughs> That's kind of like, how I feel when I watch that movie. There, there's a part where the, 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 the logo comes up on the screen, and he, he goes like, he just like, you know, exclaims like jubilantly like, yay! Cowabunga! <laughs> and it was like, it was so beautiful and silly and just bizarre. Uh, and his, his, his adorable wife's having trouble with like the iPad and like hooking it up so people can hear it and putting it in the right position so you can see the TV <laughs> and see him and he's not facing you. He's facing away from you. So right. when he talks, you have to just to turn around. Oh, so and, you can like, watch, you can watch the movie with his video. 
You can see you can see his TV that's playing it. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah. That's what I was hoping the Kevin Smith thing was going to do, but I'm going to have to sync it up myself. I don't think it is, yeah. Like a, like a plebeian. Um, <laughs> um, the... Uh... Uh, and so it was. It was stuff like that. There was a, there was a fun moment where he had like a couple of like giveaways planned or sure. a couple of like trivia things planned. He his trivia was, uh, which is I'm, I don't know if I'll ever forget now. Um, was uh, what is his favorite kind of pizza? His Eastman's. First, yeah. Is it pineapple? Uh, pineapple Hawaii uh, ham, uh, Hawaiian style. It, uh, it that's that's half of the answer. Damn it. Is, there's it's it's Hawaiian pizza and there's a special topping. Can you guess what it is? Is it something spicy? Like maybe not jalapenos. Mm, what is it? Jalapeno. Fuck really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is all a guess, man. <laughs> I should create a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to make billions. It's really bizarre that you guessed it as as spot on as you did. Basically, the first try. <laughs> You're basically Lego Batman. <laughs> <laughs> First try. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, so that was weird. And then, and then, like he 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 says, like you know, guess my favorite pizza. And then somebody guessed it, and he's like, "You're right." And then he grabs a pizza, like boxes nearby, and he opens it, and sure enough, it's Hawaiian pizza with jalapenos. That on sounds it. so good. I love Hawaiian and then pizza. He's like, and then he's like, "Yummy!" And then he just starts eating. <laughs> he's He's the the thing that the, my main takeaway from watching that commentary is that he is so gleeful as a person. Yeah, he's just such a happy dude, and he so loves the thing he's famous and rich for. I mean, famous is sure. maybe a bit much, but Rear, he's definitely rich. made his living off of. Um, I, I could probably it's it's Eastman and Laird, right? Yeah, yeah. I it's that's that's their names are household enough. If I know them, I don't to, care about other us. households. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> it was. A, I'm glad you gave me the uh, the the heads up on that because I was able to watch a good chunk of it, and it was kind of some of it was interesting, but a lot of it was just like I know all this. <laughs> like, I didn't know Brian Henson was so involved. I'm not surprised. I, I didn't know that. I guess Brian was basically like the second director or something. Like, oh, that. really? The cool. Second unit director, basically. Um. Yeah, it's a really good movie. It is. It it, it, <laughs> um, it it. I feel like it's been a while since I've like like only a couple years since I've watched it, but it it felt like it held up, man. That it, movie that movie takes me right back to seeing it. See that movie, it can't take me right back to seeing it because I was like three. Sure, but it. What it does do is it sort of it sort of validates the fact that I still like it. Sure. So because it's not like this is just a nostalgia movie that actually isn't very good. Like weird science is not really that good. Mm-hmm. Um, but people, I think it's a nostalgia movie for people. Um, but this movie, the, the first turtles movie is fucking great. Like as a fucking movie, it's, it's, I think that there's, I think there's an, a, a quality of person that would look down on it because it is still just a turtles movie. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's really unfair. I know at the time there was a push from my parents to to not be into such things. Like like oh. like you don't you're you're getting too old for toys. You're getting yeah. and I was just like, but I feel like I'm right in it. So my little brother's got all that shit. 
and it was theirs. I'm like, I'm, I mean, my, my, I'm like, oh, I can put it together for you and put all the stickers on. I love doing that Christmas morning and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was definitely like, oh, that looks fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I had that kind of thing. Like I saw the movie, like you can't take this away from me. Um, so yeah, I'm glad I have the movie because I don't, I, <laughs> I didn't uh, really have uh, the the turtle sets, which were great and varied and detailed and fun. It, I mean, I got, I had the He-Man, which we knew I gave up, <laughs> um, and just missed the cutoff for both real Ghostbusters and Turtles. I I had so many Turtle toys as a kid. Um, I, the ones I liked the most were the movie ones. Mm-hmm. I think they were, I don't remember which movie it was, but they were, they had, they were made of this sort of like squishy plastic. Yep. I remember those. They they had they were like shiny. They had like a texture, like like real yeah, movie yeah. skin. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they they had this feel, and the shells were really cool, and they were they were very detailed. They were the best toys I feel like I ever had in that as a kid, in the sense of they just they they the the high quality and the realism that was put into those figures <clears throat> made it so easy to to make leaps of imagination with them. Sure. And I remember I had them with me like all the time. Like I'm very confident I had them with me on my person. Everywhere I'd go, I would bring those four toys with me. Um, and I remember going to stay the night at a friend's house very vividly. I remember going to stay the night at a friend's house and then somehow leaving them outside or something like that. And, uh, and we did a sleepover. And then I remember not knowing where they were and then realizing they must have gone to that friend's house and then asking him for them back and getting a message back from them that uh, we left them in the yard outside and his dad ran over them with a lawnmower. No! Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. I'm like, I'm I have like, no idea if that was what actually happened, but that's what my that's, memory is. That sounds, that sounds possible. I I I, yeah. I don't think it's a made up thing. That's that's tragic. No eBay reclamation for you? Um No, because I don't I mean, I guess I could like try. Do you, but do you but, have the like, interest? I have the means. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's really more what it takes at, at this point is uh, the thought and the in the in the capacity. But those those were the toys that I remember loving the most and taking with me everywhere and really wearing out. Um, um, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I think that probably is the end of Death Readers. I think, I think it is. We got off on some tangents, but I enjoyed them. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, everybody. This is uh, my recording is entering uh, one hour and 45 minutes. So uh, I think we'll wrap it up. Um, that was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thanks. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. Lamba, Lamba, Lamba. Uh, uh. I'll la- what do you want, Mary? Do you want me to lasso the Constitution? I turned into Barack Obama. I enjoyed it. I, well, hold on a second. Yes, wife? <laughs> Look at you guys. Hey, Doug!
<laughs> this actually looks really professional. Right? Yeah. I totally feel like there should be like some kind of documentation of like sharing on a media that like socially connects people in a way that spreads information. This is all cut. This is cut. <laughs> it's going at the end. <laughs> That's a way. That's a way that we should share this. So, okay, cool. Um, all right. I'll be in in a few minutes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wives, am I right? <laughs> you are.